This is Stereoactive Presents. I'm your host, Jeremiah McVeigh, and in this episode, I'm joined by Charles Henshaw to discuss the latest film directed by David Fincher. The Killer stars Michael Fassbender as the meticulous hitman of the film's title. Also in the film are Tilda Swinton, Charles Parnell, Sala Baker, Arliss Howard, and Kerry O'Malley. In just a moment, you'll hear my review of The Killer, followed by my discussion with Chuck. It's almost a cliche to talk about how filmmakers known as auteurs often make movies that are, in some way, seemingly about themselves. But in a year when Christopher Nolan made a film about a man whose groundbreaking work helped change the landscape of the world, arguably for the worse, and Wes Anderson made a film about locking a cast of characters into a tightly controlled environment in order to serve a narrative to the outside world, it's perhaps hard to dispute this sometimes does in fact happen. And now, David Fincher has made a film in which a cold, calculating professional must grapple with the resultant fallout from the failure of his usual perfectionist work ethic. Michael Fassbender stars as the titular character in a performance as precise and intentional as any Fincher has ever directed. And it can hardly be a coincidence that the director chose as his, perhaps, avatar, an actor whose work bringing an android to life was the best parts of both 2012's Prometheus and 2017's Alien Covenant. The film is something of a rarity in its dedication to a mostly subjective point of view as we experience the thoughts and actions of Fassbender's unnamed character through matter-of-fact voiceover, as well as sound design and cinematography that often allows us to see and hear the world through his eyes and ears. But for all the access we're given to the killer's interiority, he's still largely inscrutable in many ways. That said, what's compelling about both the character and the film are the small ways in which he reveals himself as human by either accident or momentary surrender to circumstance. Any small moment of humanity presents as a nearly monumental display in the context of the otherwise methodical procedural the film pretends to be, and as a result, those small moments become incredibly satisfying. From this point on, we may discuss elements of the plot that some would consider spoilers. So if you don't want to know anything about the movie, you may want to come back and listen to this at another time. So Chuck, Mm -hmm. what did you think? What were your first thoughts on The Killer? My first thoughts were that I like that kind of movie. What is that kind of movie to you? Well, I thought it, it kind of reminded me of a lot of different things. It, Mostly reminded me of another movie. Uh, it mostly reminded me of Anton Corbine's The American with mm. George Clooney, um, which I really enjoyed that movie. Another sort of slow burn assassin thing. Um, I never saw that one, actually. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's better than I, than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, and maybe has a little more depth to it than this one. Mm. Um, depth of feeling, at least. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I also realized that 
I was reminded of the time that we did a podcast about spy movies oh, and yeah. it, it reminded me of a spy movie in a way. Um, I never really thought of, I mean, I guess assassins are spies in their own uh, sort of way. And, and certainly assassins play into the spy movie genre. Right. But this really had that quality of deception and, you know, being undercover and having to kind of get through situations without being noticed in the same way right. that, uh, that a spy does. Um, I also, I tried to be uh, objective about it because I had heard negative things. So I sort of set my expectations low, which I think helped. Um, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> let, me, let me break in for a second because I yeah, had yeah. almost the opposite experience in the same way, if that makes sense, because mm -hmm. I heard lots of good things about it. Mm -hmm. So I tried to set my expectations low just to counter like being um, disappointed by it. Right. You know, sure, having sure. my expectations too high. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that paid off for me. Do you feel like it kind of paid off for you? Yeah, I think it, it I think what I had heard, which was really just like articles and video titles, you know, things like I was disappointed. Why? Uh, Fincher's worst movie. Uh, the one that made me laugh the most was the killer threatens to bore you to death. Um, but I, I felt like something like that was sort of, you know, for lack of sounding kind of snooty, like a, a sort of unsophisticated take on the movie. I think that you have to want to sit for a little while and go with the slow burn kind of concept of it. Yeah. Uh, or else I, I guess I would actually push back a little on, on that too, just for like, I, I think there are moments of like explosive. Right. Action and kineticism. Yes. And so to, to call the movie boring to me, I guess you just, it wasn't for you. If that's yeah. the case. And that's fine. You know, right. I'm every to each their own. Nobody, not everybody has to like every movie, but yeah. it's just an odd thing to say about this movie. I think because the, the brute section of the film, especially, it's just mm -hmm. like that is a fight. That yeah, he yeah, has with that sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And it was funny because I was thinking that too, where I was like, I wonder if this person like Made didn't get to this part yeah. of the movie or or what. But um, yeah, it's like, did yeah. they just watch the first 20 minutes? Which I did see someone comment on the fact that it has this like kind of very, um, very kinetic to use that word again. Mm -hmm. um opening sequence and then it's just like okay we're gonna slow down for 20 minutes you know mm. or something like that it's it's like very quick very quick and it seems like it's setting you up to like jump into like what you were talking about of like a spy action movie that's gonna mm -hmm. just move and then right. it's like no this guy's sitting in a room just watching a place and we're with him and it's kind of i don't want to say plotting because that sounds derogatory but it, it's right it's methodical it's uh, yeah. measured. And then it's like, then the inciting incident happens. And to me, it's like, I'm just with him, like kind of like what's happening next, what's happening. Right. Next. That, that right. was my experience of it. Yeah. I would not, I would not use the word kinetic to describe the opening sequence. Personally. The uh, title sequence. 
Oh, that's what they mean. Yeah, by yeah that's what I mean. Sequence? It's like oh, it's, okay. it seems like it's setting you up, like because it's like this very I see, like I see the the graphics are just like moving, and right? It's like right, very right, right. exciting looking, and then you jump into this movie that's just sort of like, it, like the air get okay. sucked out. You know, I thought they meant that the the op- the first sort of chapter, if you will, oh no no no, like, no. Connect- that, that's their point is that it's like right. all of a sudden it like grinds to a halt almost. In mm-hmm. comparison well i did find the the titles were interesting because they did go so quickly mm-hmm. and there was like no at, at least on you know netflix there's like no uh vanity cards or anything so it like really launched you right into just titles yeah, titles titles and boom you know which is very rare um yeah. so I, I didn't think about that that is true yeah it was kind of like oh wow uh but um I think the thing I felt as far as maybe what left me a little cold was I kind of felt like the build up to all the confrontations with the exception of the fight scene were more interesting than the confrontations themselves. Um I think the fight scene uh the interaction he has with the secretary and yeah. that whole kind of will he won't he uh thing um those were really interesting um but i felt that the scene with tilda swinton and is that guy's name charles parnell that's his name I, right uh yeah i have it here let me just check yeah Who charles parnell yeah yeah, yeah yeah i guess handler is what we're supposed to think right right um those two scenes I could have done with like a, another draft, if you will. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. I just sort of felt like, I mean, I liked this idea that anytime he visits someone to kill them, they like can't stop talking. I sort of like sure. that kind of thing. This like that everyone's nervous twitch is to sort of just keep talking so he can't sort of just kill them. I didn't um, even think of it like that, but I guess that is true, sort of. Yeah. Uh, but. I guess those would have been, you know, it's those would have been interesting moments to. And I think they were attempting to do this about like kind of cracking him open a little bit through um, through the, uh, the through the people. But I just wasn't totally it just didn't totally hit for me. Right. Um, See, the Tilda Swinton scene hit for me later. Like, mm. as I was watching it, I was sort of like, what is happening right now? And then, like, right. as I was, I, I mean, I wasn't not enjoying it, but I was just sort of like, where is this going? Right. Um, and then as I was thinking about the movie later, I kind of came to the realization, maybe I'm stupid for not getting this in the moment, but just that, um, you know, he's kind of seeing how he could have lived because he lives like mm. seemingly this kind of tucked away I don't want to say Spartan lifestyle. It looks like he lives nicely, but he's like secluded. He's like a hermit with his one person he cares about. Right. Um, you know, and he could have been in the world enjoying culture and food and stuff. And that's kind of what Tilda signifies Tilda Swinton and yeah. uh, her character as like a, a, I guess an assassin um, mm-hmm. of a different kind who, who's chosen to live her life differently and, and actually, because that is something that it kind of calls into question of like, what are you doing this for? Right. Like it, it seemingly he would make quite a bit of money for the, this job he does. 
and he can afford a lavish lifestyle. Like I said, his house is pretty nice, you know, right, and right, and he he has means. Mm-hmm. Um, but what for? I guess he for him it's all it's he's he centered it all on this one person, right? Whereas she has centered it more maybe on herself and like enjoying things um, in a way sure. that he has never done to that extent or in that way. Yeah. You know, and that the, the lifestyle doesn't allow him to, I mean, he has to go and like eat McDonald's, right. <laughs> you know, and cause that's the way he chooses to do it. Right. And sit yeah. in a room yeah. and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I could see that. I, I, I felt like I, I definitely picked up on this concept that his method was more than just a method or a technique it was a compulsion um and that was kind of upending what we had spent a lot of the movie hearing him say because he would have you believe that it was like this is how it gets done there's no other way to do it there's no other sort of process that works and this was kind of a way of saying you know what he was doing was compulsive that it wasn't what he right needed right, to do right, is right. what he wanted to do yeah yeah i mean i think that that's the thing is like he as you said he he um we hear him say in his mind over and over like he has this mantra almost of right. like this is how i have to do this this mm-hmm. is the only way to do it whatever he says mm-hmm. but i mean yeah i think he's an unreliable narrator <laughs> he, mm-hmm. he's like this is and and does he only really say that when things are falling apart and he realizes he's like about to go off the path that he he's claiming he should be on? Like, I don't think mm-hmm. we can trust him fully that, you know, so I, I think no, it, I think it adds up, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's interesting because he he says like, oh, this is new. You know, this is a new experience for him where he has not where he's missed, basically, where he has not completed the job and has missed the target. And it's such a subtle movie and there's so many things for you to fill in on your own that it's hard to sort of determine if it would have been better if the filmmaker, the writer had filled in some of that stuff or had amped it up Mm -hmm. or if it, sort of actually works best the way that it is. Um, Because I was going to suggest that, like, the fallout doesn't feel that intense. It sort of feels like he's very much in control a lot of the time, even though he is, you know, going after his own people and, 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 um, you know, on their uh, shit list, if you will. But it never really feels like chaos uh, right? to me. It, it always feels like he sort of knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, I guess my argument would just be that I don't think it would be a David Fincher movie if, <laughs> if, it, if it was amped up anymore. You know, it, like, yeah, he, I think he is. He, he likes to explore the little moments in an otherwise measured existence. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> I think that's right. what this movie is for him. You know? Yeah. And I wonder if that's I, I think of it all. I I kind of feel like the most interesting way for me to look at this movie is not so much as a standalone, but as a part of Fincher's 
oh yeah you know yeah. filmography um and i mean it definitely seems like he's he's commenting on himself with this movie i had seen somebody say that and then you said that in your review and i hadn't really thought about how that worked but i i get i get it the way you explained it where yeah the killer is so methodical and a perfectionist and yeah. that sort of and he's thing. willing to wait until the the everything is just right which like mm. is something fincher is known for right like, he will do endless takes with actors of a, of a scene just because he like I, I who was it I, I was listening to uh blank check this podcast that i know i've mentioned several yep. times mm -hmm. uh, in the course of us doing podcasts together <laughs> yeah they are currently doing a fincher miniseries because this movie came out like mm -hmm. to kind of coincide with like their last episode will be on the killer and then they'll move on to the next mm -hmm. but um they were talking about in the their episode on gone girl which i just listened to which came out this week as we we're recording mm -hmm. um i think it was tyler perry in interviews said that um fincher when he got to set and he was like so taken aback by how many takes he does because like i think tyler perry is kind of famous for not doing <laughs> many more than one take if right, ever right so, um not to harp on him or anything but right right why they work two different that, styles yeah and but he said that like once he kind of was in it long enough he realized like oh man he's like an alien who can see everything all at once and so he notices everything and can tell like this is not how i want it and right. so he goes until he gets every little piece of the frame and motion and everything to be as close to what he imagined it or what he thinks it could be i guess i'm like paraphrasing and like, right. extrapolating from what you yeah. said but um and so to me, it's very easy to see that as a parallel with like this guy can sit in a room for days on end and just watch a uh, potential target um, until all conditions are right for him to do his job. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's, yeah. it seems like a pretty clear metaphor, I guess. Right, right. But, yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I had heard that recently, too, and I had also forgotten who it was. I think it was Tyler. Uh, Perry. It was. It was Tyler Perry. Yeah. And um and yeah, talking about how, you know, he would do takes and then Fincher would be like, "Oh, this person behind you didn't do X Y and Z." And right. Kind of made him realize that it wasn't about him, that it wasn't yeah, yeah, about yeah. like she's not solely focused on performance. But then I've also heard that he will sort of exhaust people to the point where he gets them to be a certain like, it was very Kubrickian kind of yeah, uh, break them down. And yeah, like get them to be their most natural, their like least uh, aff yeah. affected or whatever. Um, but I kind of think, I guess I feel like after, I don't know, maybe the social network was something like after that, he he's he's almost gotten more methodical, like, you know, like he's he's taken it to this real sort of sanitized extreme um even though the films themselves are obviously usually dark and um gritty in some capacity but um i think my favorite movies of his were from that movie and then everything before that and the recent stuff even the stuff that I've enjoyed, like I enjoyed this. Um, I enjoyed Gone Girl. Mank was weird. T 
to me. I, I can't remember. We did we talk about Mank? We did, right? I I talked about that with, with Jackie. Okay. Yeah. And um, I actually just put that episode out for people to listen yeah. to. That's it's back out in the world for Yeah, I couldn't remember if if we talked about it or you talked about it with her. Yeah. But you you, me and Jackie talked about Fight Club. Yes. And I also just put that one out. So Yes, I remember that. Um and Mank was like this sort of outlier movie, which I guess had way more to do with the fact that his dad wrote the screenplay than right. any maybe passion he has for like old Hollywood or whatever. But I suppose he maybe does. Um, but it 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 just seems I don't know, like Seven and Fight Club and Zodiac. There's like there's this emotion behind those movies in a way that I feel is not really in some of the stuff he's been doing lately. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess I, I I think it's just that he's to me I would say there's still emotion. It's just he he wants to find the smallest moment, and I would also say that mm-hmm. Gone Girl has plenty of emotion. That movie is like yeah melodramatic in places. It, it is. But I don't know if it's hit. I guess kind of what I'm getting at is like there's cynical. There's a there's a there's a je ne sais quoi about like I like Fincher really was like into this movie. Like he was really on like for whatever reason he was which movie uh, either of the ones that I named. Like he was experimenting. Like Fight Club, I think he was super experimental. I think you know like he was running at this story and pulling out all the stops he could think to pull out as a technician um seven it's just like let's see how much we can fuck with people (laughs) you know like let's go dark and let's get weird and do something that's very sort of fresh for the time um and then zodiac i just feel it's like let's get let's do a procedural and let's go really hard at it and we have this great material that really suits his style because it's, I mean, what director would be better to make a cop procedural about a crime that was never solved? You know, like right. just, and where <laughs> the main investigator is a cartoonist. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then Social Network was such a bizarre mashup. It was like, let's take this great writer and this director who's known for making really gritty things and have them make a movie about Facebook. And that was like so strange and interesting. And um, it's not that I didn't don't like Gone Girl or Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Um, I didn't really love Mank uh, or this movie, but there's something about them that says like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. As opposed to, like, having a, a passion for it. Well, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I, I think that there is a part of it that, like, they talk about this definitely in the Blank Check miniseries as they go through his career. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the movie industry has changed. So he has to sort of like, and he's and he is the odd they pointed this out and it was like something I never really thought about. He's the odd like auteur filmmaker that we have today mm-hmm. who doesn't usually get that involved with writing mm-hmm. the material that he directs. So he's sort of reliant in that way on source material and a screenwriter 
who he's not. That's not to say he doesn't have some authorial um, skin in the game. Yeah. But it, 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 he comes at it as the filmmaker. He's right. not like necessarily writing it with the writer. Like, but he's he's definitely working with the writer to get the story to where he wants it to be to before he directs it and then going from there, you know. But yeah. But yeah, I, I think that the industry has changed. Right. And the opportunities for him to make movies that explore some facet of something that he's interested in, mm -hmm. it's harder for him yeah. to get a movie made. And so Netflix is giving him money right. for <laughs> Mank and the Killer. I think that largely explains those in, and I, in a way. And I should say and, that he does, these are obviously passion. Pro I mean, Mank is obviously a passion project because it's a yeah. personal thing with his dad writing the screenplay. And I do understand that he's been interested in making this graphic novel into a movie for a while. So, yeah, it's it's not it's maybe unfair for me to kind of be like, oh, he just sort of was like, oh, that seems interesting. I'll do that. But, no, I, I, I think I understand what you're saying, though. It, it like maybe another way to frame what you're saying is that it appears to be made someone who is less passionate about it that than, yeah, then he necessarily is less passionate. I guess I feel but, maybe this is the better way to say it. He's he made his bones and did incredible work being like a risk taker. And it's I'm not sure he's doing that as much. And it might be, be yeah. it might be because, as you say, it's harder to get something made. That's a risk. Um, that's totally valid, I'm sure. That I, but it also might just be like maybe he's. Doesn't have as many risks he wants to take now i don't, you know, it, I don't like, know what risk is there for him now too right with these right. two movies mank and the killer like he's mm. netflix is basically like here's a checkbook i think <laughs> right you, you helped make us what we are so right because you're saying and maybe we'll get some awards yeah um but that that said like i do want to say that like I, i've recently rewatched quite a few of his movies i rewatched mm -hmm. benjamin button mm -hmm. uh girl with the dragon tattoo mm -hmm. and gone girl and I've watched seven somewhat recently as well, too. Mm -hmm. But um, that's kind of outside of what I'm talking about, though. But right. I, I do think Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl, I enjoyed much more watching them again, especially in the context of watching some of his movies and thinking about them more right. lately. Um, and I do think Gone Girl seems like there's some passion there. Sure. Like it seems like it's something he's interested in. Uh, and I, I guess the context of that, again, something I've learned from Blank Jack, I feel like I'm just cribbing from them for this <laughs> right. episode, is that I guess he made that around the time he was going through a divorce from mm. his uh, wife and creative partner right, who produced right, all right. the movies up yeah. until then. Mm -hmm. um, don't quote me on the details exactly there, but um, so he had something to say about marriage. Sure, sure, <laughs> that, sure. That I think that that movie gets at in a very like, over the top way mm -hmm. that he found interesting. And I will say, like, I think the the girl with the dragon tattoo is interesting because it's like I do think it's hard to say it's not like a cold movie in in, in many ways. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's fun. It's a lot more yeah. fun to watch than I remembered. Like I, I remember it being bleak and grim. And yeah, there is some of that. I'm not saying there's not. Like there's some pretty like intense moments in that movie yeah in that way but uh it like as a procedural it seems like he it seems like a filmmaker who is enjoying getting away with making that movie right you know what i mean right yeah i i like uh dragon tattoo i think um 
couple things to say about movies that are not the one we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> hey, right. Fair game. Um, I feel like Benjamin Button, Dragon Tattoo, and Gone Girl, they got he got into this mode of like third and fourth acts that where like yeah. it kind of goes on a little bit. And sure. um, that I wasn't such a big fan of, particularly in, in Benjamin Button. Um, yeah. But yeah, that one, that one, I'm still sort of like, I don't know about that. There's some it, cool, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. There's some cool stuff in it. Uh, but yeah. it, it, as a whole, it's a little uh, something. And Girl the Dragon Tattoo is like very, it's very him doing his thing on a, on a super popular book that has a pretty good Swedish version of the movie. Um, and that's a lot of fun to watch him like bring his style to. And I also think that Rooney Mara does maybe a, a better job um, than Numi Rapis, who, do, who does uh, the girl in the Swedish version or the Danish yeah, version. I never saw that, actually. Um, but, yeah. uh, but she does, I think, a better job of, of communicating her like blossoming love for mm -hmm. daniel craig's character and i do think there's some heart in that where she like really you, you legitimately like feel for her in, right. in that way um and uh, i think fincher's a part of that i think um i love that he keeps using trent Reznor and atticus ross although i felt like they were kind of underused in the in the killer um but yeah I, well i think it's that what they were doing wasn't like traditional right music. it almost <laughs> yeah. sounded like sound design yeah I yeah think. yeah for sure you know? um but again it was like i guess it's just hard you know you 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 i hesitate to say it but i wonder if he's peaked and mm. um the social network was such a ballsy the whole thing was balls it was like it was sorkin it was it was the first thing that Trent Reznor and Atticus Russell was like, let's get the guy from Nine Inch Nails to do the music of this movie. You know, like it was all so ballsy and it was like and it was it came at a time where it was like, do we, we're going to have a fucking Facebook movie? Like, who cares? Yeah. You know, and it was just so interesting. And and so. And then seven was so, you know, these were like, again, I kind of going back to what I was saying before about. I felt like he really went out on a limb for a while there. Um, yeah. And I, I wonder if he's not playing it safe. But like you said, maybe there's only so much that he can do yeah. in today's climate. Um, right. Well, I, I, do you think you're going to be watching the killer again? I don't know. I don't have any plans to, but yeah, it's not. It's not something that I would not watch again. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. not on rotation. It's not yeah. gonna be on rotation. Well, I'll say that like once it ended, I didn't think I would be going back to it very quickly, but kind of in the twenty-four or so hours since I watched it, yeah. I'm sort of interested in going to watch it again, just to kind of like you know, I've I've because I've thought about it. Like I said, I I'd had some realizations about some of the movie after the fact that have maybe made me 
appreciate it more. And I'd be mm-hmm. curious to see it again and see how they hold up on second viewing. Right. Um, I would also, I, I wonder what he's going to do next. Yeah. Cause, cause like a couple things, like one, the landscape of movies right now is very weird and precarious. Yep. Um, I, I would be, I would love to see a big, play for a david fincher movie like not a netflix thing Mm -hmm. that they put in theaters just because they're sort of obligated to because of who david fincher is like an actual like girl with a dragon tattoo gone girl kind of like commercial play right for for uh that that is still like very much a, a a david fincher movie right and has all those hallmarks but I'm I'm curious. I I would love to see that or see whatever he's. I'm just curious where he's going. Yeah, next. yeah, and that's why I feel like a, a social network style thing could be a cool thing. I mean, you obviously can't you know reinvent the wheel or do repeat, but I guess I feel like oh, David Fincher's making a movie about an assassin. It's sort of like well, of course he is. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I feel like it would be cool if whatever the next thing was was a little like. Fincher's making that, you know, or whatever that might like the whale, you know, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> you know, like something sort of it can still well, be gritty and dark. And well, let intense. me well, let me throw this at you. It's not going to happen because of what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know if you've heard that. Speaking of Darren Aronofsky, mm-hmm. he apparently it was just announced he is going to make a biopic of some sort mm-hmm. about Elon Musk. Oh, OK. Which for A24, right? Um, so all of that together sounds like it could be either very interesting or a pile of steaming shit. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Darren Aronofsky to me is like hit or miss. He is. But my hypothetical to you is what if that was announced as a David Fincher movie? Like, would you be like, that's the kind of thing I'm looking for? Maybe from the guy who did the social network. I really, I wish that I could go back in a time machine and negotiate the deal for him to do the Steve Jobs movie. Um, where it was going to be, it was another Sorkin script. It was going to be Fincher and Christian Bale, and right. they were going to do the Steve Jobs movie. I, nothing against Fassbender or um, Danny, Boyle. Danny Boyle, but I just would have loved to have seen that. So maybe that, it just kind of, Maybe that's the equivalent, you know, of, yeah, or yeah. something like that. Like, yeah, sort of controversial, popular figure of our time, or maybe another time. Uh, yeah, it's kind of thing. I, I think I would be more interested in it as a David Fincher movie than I am as a Darren Aronofsky movie, the Eat yeah. Must thing. Um, I don't have a lot of interest. <laughs> In Elon Musk or in seeing a movie about no, Elon Musk. But um me neither. I mean, unless it's like I, I mean, there's a world in which I could find that compelling just as a almost as like a Nixon movie. Well, <laughs> I don't know? really like, know what his, here's a shitty guy. Yeah. Here's what makes him tick. I don't really know. Like there must be some drama there because the book is supposed to be very compelling the new the walter isaacson book. Mm. is it based on yeah, the that's what isaac yeah i believe it's based on the isaacson book so there's got to be something there but from what i like on the surface i'm like isn't it just sort of like this dude made a lot of money and 
I don't know, like push the idea of electric cars and space and shit. And like, I don't know, like, where's the drama? You know, where's the stakes? I, don't know. Um, I mean, I think his kids don't love him. So there's there's some trauma. OK, cool. Uh, <laughs> and then Grimes, who's going to play Grimes? Uh, yeah, you know, exactly. like, so I get all that stuff is sort of just not particularly interesting to me much more prefer to watch Nixon again. Um, but, but yeah, I think something in that vein, I think something epic, you know, like um, Bradley Cooper and Maestro. Now, I don't know how that movie right. is going to be, but yeah, it's, yeah, neither of us has seen that yet. Right. I guess, right. But it's very clearly like Bradley Cooper putting all his chips on the table to do this thing of Leonard Bernstein of all people. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like I think something like that, something where it would be kind of, you know, where he really pushed and it was like, this is my thing. Now, maybe he feels like the killer is that and maybe that's what it yeah. is. I don't know. Um, yeah. But, I mean, supposedly, like he was like very into making this. Right. Like, I, um, there was some, I think, roundtable or something. Not I don't know if it was a roundtable or a. A panel, I think yeah. is what I meant to say, where Andrew Kevin Walker, the writer of the film, mm-hmm. talked about how basically David Fincher came to him and said, like, I want to adapt this and here's how I want it to be. And like, basically, he told him what the script would be. Right. and He wrote it. Um, I mean, I'm sure Andrew Kevin Walker did a great job of adapting it yeah. and all that. But but like he he basically said, like, this is Fincher's thing. Yeah. And this is what he wanted to do. And um I might be conflating a couple of things of like maybe that was in one thing. And then this panel where they had like the heads of his departments there talking about the making of the movie. Right, right. And anytime anyone asked a question, they all said that was David's idea. (laughs) Right, right. So like he was I think he. He is very much responsible, like a lot of people like, you know, like are not into the idea of the auteur theory Mm -hmm. um, of filmmaking. Right, right. But it's hard not to say that if anybody fits that idea, Mm -hmm. it's not David Fincher, you know? And you you made me think just now, maybe that's part of the issue that... I mean, sure, it could be. Because, you know, he didn't have that freedom on Seven. He didn't have that freedom on Fight Club. He was working very much in tandem with Aaron Sorkin on social network. And maybe it is a thing where it's like, if it's a hundred percent Fincher as technically interesting and, a, a, you know, as much as I never would, would dunk on Fincher. Uh, maybe it's, maybe he's better when it's got that other element of something, some sort of, yeah, could be um, for me personally. I mean, for all, you know, people like, Maybe think this is his best work. I don't know. But uh, (laughs) I mean, Um, I've heard some strong opinions of this movie. People saying like some critics who who are saying it's like the best movie of the year or even of the century so far. I'm like, I don't know if I go that far. Wow. Yeah. Um, I I thought that was a pretty bold. Yeah, that is. But um, um, to each their own. Right, right. And I don't know. You know, I I don't know if if I'm getting old or like there is a little bit of like this guy's not really redeemable. Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't want to be like, uh, by which of course you mean Michael Fassbender. Yes. Yes. Michael Fassbender's character. (laughs) Not different. Just to clarify. Um, no, yeah. The killer himself. Uh, you know, he's sort of, 
at the end of the day, he, 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 you know, wins and is on, you know, the beach with his beautiful significant other and his beautiful house. And he sort of spent the whole movie just killing people. Uh, and you could argue some of them were in a sort of revenge setting, but like the cab driver guy was sort of right. Yeah. He's also cold blood. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I know that, you know, there's plenty of movies. Like I love Scarface is not a likable character in that, but yeah, uh, there's just something about it where it, I was kind of like, well, that maybe was a little too easy for this guy. I don't know. Uh, like he didn't seem to have to change very much. Um. Oh well, I mean, sounds like maybe you're talking about Fincher again. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> and um, maybe that's my own. That's my own cross to bear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I, 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 I thought it was a pretty good movie. Obviously, technically, very, uh, very well made. Oh yeah, and Fun to like watch. I said, the, the, uh, the story of it, such as it were has has like kind of stuck with me more than I expected as I was watching it mm-hmm. as it the credits were rolling. Yeah, so yeah. um I think that bodes well um for the movie. And I, I do think like for just listeners, if you're somehow listening to this at this point and <laughs> wondering if you should see this movie because you haven't seen it. Right. Um, I think you, if you're a fan yeah. of Fincher, you should definitely see it. Like oh yeah. You're gonna find a lot in it that's gonna be of interest and I also um, think that he makes yeah. movies, you know, he I know he loves Chinatown and I was thinking about that while I was watching it and yeah. It, it does have the it, it does kind of sit on the shoulders of those 70s like gritty kind of cynical sure. movies that um are or or like European or something that are are not in high demand at the moment so if you're a fan of that stuff it it would also i think sort of scratch an itch totally Mm -hmm. totally any final thoughts no i love david fincher i don't want anyone to go away thinking i don't (laughs) no i mean we're here to talk about cool stuff yeah yeah just have a conversation Uh, no yeah i mean i'm i mean that's why i wanted to talk to you about this movie right right is it like i know that you have an appreciation for david fincher so yeah. Um, and I'm I'm psyched for whatever he does next. And I hope he keeps doing things. Sometimes I get nervous that he's just like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm done. <laughs> so yeah. I'm I'm I want him to keep going. And uh yeah. so I'm looking forward to the next thing. And um this was cool. It was, you know, yeah, it was down. Yeah, I hope the fact that there was only three years between this and Mank, <laughs> right. um, it, it, even given a pandemic and all that yeah, like, yeah. means that maybe back more to movies than tv yeah yeah i love mindhunter it could have done in the long run without house of cards honestly but well i, uh, I, I mean, don't know if early house of cards without it. yeah huh early house of cards was was yeah i mean was really cool yeah. and very very fresh um but I, I think both of them kind of ran out of ran out of gas for various reasons um I guess I, I I'm not sure I would say that about Mindhunter personally, but like it just seems like I don't think they're going to do any more. No, right? yeah, so, right, right, right. Yeah, I didn't like the Jonathan Goff character in that show, but well, then yeah, I could see how you <laughs> you'd think that. Then. 
Right. So. But uh, everything else is fine. But yeah, I, I'm happy that he's back to doing more movies and less TV. And because um, yeah. I think that's really where the magic is. So totally. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Chuck. No problem. Thank you for listening to Stereoactive Presents, and thank you to our guest, Charles Henshaw. The music in this podcast is composed by Hansdale Sue. My name is Jeremiah Lee McVeigh. If you like what you hear in the show, please rate and review it in Good Pods, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that allows that. Doing so helps us to expand our audience, and it's much appreciated. And please follow us wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. Every little bit helps, and like I said, it is truly appreciated. You can also get in touch with us at stereoactivemedia at gmail.com, and you can find more information about this show and everything else that Stereoactive Media is involved with at stereoactivemedia.com. Podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media.